You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 273. Today's case study of the week is a launch debrief from an interesting niche. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 3 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. How are we doing? Thank you so much for tuning into a Wednesday edition of the Mind Your Business Podcast. This is where I like to take stories of extraordinary entrepreneurs who are up to extraordinary things and share them with you so you have more proof of what's possible. I mean, how much do you like learn just from what everyone else is doing? Not everyone else, but the people that are doing the right things the right way are doing, right? Well, today is no exception. I want to get right into this. This is a member of Business by Design, Tara Harvey, who is in a an interesting niche. Like, I'm actually really excited about this. It's it's higher education. Like, she her audience is like staff members of like universities and, and colleges and stuff like that. And she teaches a program around intercultural learning. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, you're just proving that like, Anyone can do this. And she's got some really interesting challenges that she's had to overcome, like things like her ideal customer has to get like grant approval from the university to like fund the course and all that type of stuff. And so she's in a very different ball game than a lot of us. And so it's really fascinating because her latest launch was her biggest launch. And she's going to take us through her entire timeline of her online journey. And it's really exciting. And I can't wait to dig into this. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's play that interview. All right. I'm here with Tara Harvey. So Tara, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Why don't we start by you introducing yourself to, to our listeners and let them know, like, what do you do? Who do you help and how do you help them? Sure. Well, I help people in higher education. So faculty and staff working at universities or in the higher education sector. And I help them facilitate students intercultural learning. So most people I work with are involved in like study abroad or bringing international students to the U.S. And I help them help their students make the most of those experiences. Got it. How did you how did you get into this? It's what I've been doing for my whole life. I've had a 20-year career in international education, and then I did a PhD focused on how do we help students make the most of these experiences, and then just following my own desires and wanting to be who I am and authentic to myself and my, my family, I decided that I wanted to leave the nine-to-five, quote-unquote, and do this for myself, just kind of do what I thought the field needed and do it in a way that worked best for my family. When I did my PhD, I had two kids at that time. I started a PhD six months pregnant. And so I never really followed the traditional path. Like I worked really hard, but I did it on my terms. And so when I went back to sort of nine to five after my PhD, it was like, wait, no, (laughs) I can balance a lot of stuff, but I want to do it my way. I don't want to do it someone else's way. Yeah. Spoken like a true entrepreneur right there. I love that. I've kind of realized that 
I was meant to do what I'm doing, but I was also meant to be an entrepreneur. Mm. So how did the idea, if you're like, okay, I got to do it my way. I got to do this on my terms for myself. How did the idea of like, I can teach this online in a program virtually to like all these people. How did that idea get planted into your brain? Well, that's not how I started my business. I started as going out to be a trainer and a consultant and I was doing training and I was training educators to facilitate intercultural learning before I left my job. So and you're going to them, like you're like physically showing up? No, within the organization I worked with, I was training the resident staff around the world involved in study abroad in how to help their students learn from these experiences. And then I was having universities come to me and say, can you do this for our school? And I didn't have time because I was busy doing it at my company. But I started to realize, hey, I could do it for your school if I didn't have this other job and realizing schools need this and they can't hire full-time people to do this. So I'm going to do consulting and training on my own. And I had several mentors that were doing it like in their retirement. And I thought, why do I wait till retirement to do that? I could start doing it now. So I started more in-person consulting and training, going to universities, but I started to see, Oh wait, I'm not controlling my life, even though I did this to control my life. Like mm -hmm. May, August, and January were when all the universities wanted me, right in between their semesters. It's like, oh, we have faculty for a week and they're not in class, come. Well, you can only be in so many places during a certain week in May. And having kids, I wanted to have more control of my travel schedule. And it dawned on me that the last thing I had done at my job was create an online course for the resident staff around the world because I couldn't train them all in person and doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with them was taxing. Wow. I was like, why don't I do that now for myself? And I can fill in the time when I'm not earning as much, when I'm not traveling. But I, I thought that there wasn't really the technology for that. I'm not a huge technology guru. And I know universities have these learning management systems, but I thought my little one-person company can't purchase a learning management system. But as the good academic that I am, I just went out and researched stuff. And I was like, oh, look, there's all this cool stuff there's out all there. This stuff. I can do this. Yes. And I learned a lot in the process of been constantly teaching myself and, you know, have just slowly evolved the company into something that fits my life while still serving in the way that I want to serve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into your most recent launch and uh, I have your full debrief pulled up in front of me, but I think it's just also, you know, worth noting what a great example of a, a great, unique, very unique niche. So I, I think this is, these are always my most exciting case studies to do are people that are doing things in like niches you didn't even think could be a niche. And that's really exciting. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because people don't even understand within my niche. They're like, wait, what do you mean you work on your own? What do you mean you have your own company? And yet I'm in higher education. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so awesome though. It's so exciting. So this most recent launch, this is your, your fifth launch. Is that correct? Yes. So do you want to kind of take us through a little bit of your like 
timeline? Because I know we were talking before the call, like your first one was, was your biggest. Why don't you kind of just quickly walk us through um, that history? Yeah. So my life revolves around the semesters. So my first launch was in fall 2017. And I'd kind of been talking it up with my list for a while, mentioning that this was going to be coming. And the launch was purely via email. And I was going to limit it to 20 people. And I knew that I was starting at a lower rate than I was eventually going to get to. So I priced it at an early bird of 649 and a regular price of 699 and hit the 20 person mark. I got right towards the end of the launch. I think I, I hit the limit of people that I was willing to have in the program. So that launch net 13,680. And then I was all gung ho and I was thinking, how do I scale this? And scalability <laughs> has been a huge thing for me because a very important part of this program is that everybody takes this online assessment, not that I created, but an assessment in our field. And they have to do a one-on-one -on -one debrief with me or another qualified administrator. And so everybody in the program was taking this assessment and doing a one-on-one -on -one with me during a specific week of the program. So I knew I couldn't get beyond 20. So I was starting to think creatively about how can I do this? How can I scale this? And so the second semester, I thought, I'm just going to offer two sessions, one session at the beginning of the semester, one at the end. So I, I think I went a little too gung-ho too quickly and also raised the price. So in spring of 2008, between the two sessions I offered, sorry, spring 2018, I netted about 1,500. But again, that was two different launches. Between the two total, you did fifth. Yeah. So the first one was like 10,000. And then the second one was just 5,000. And so I was going, okay, well, maybe I'm going too hard, too fast and raising the price too quickly. Because I'd gone up then to, let's see, the early bird was $789. And the regular price was 869 Wait, can you, and can you say those numbers again? The first launch fall 2017, you did just over 13,000. Yep. And then that, in spring 2018, the first launch was 10,000 okay. and the second launch was 5,000. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. So you still did more, but over two launches. Right. Yep. Okay. So then in fall 2018, I had, tr I transitioned over to a new platform and I read Jeff Walker's book. And so I was like, okay, three video series, you know, I'm going to do these emails where people get one video and then they have to hold off before they get another video that launch. I also raised the price slightly. I net 6,425. I was trying out two or one, just, just one. one. Okay. Yes. And I really learned during that launch, I started to see like my audience is different. I can't be doing things like, oh, here's this free video and it's for this period of time and then it's gone. And you, mm. there's this other free video, but you can't get it yet. Educators are used to getting this stuff for free and accessing it at their will. It's kind of, you know, everybody shares freely and you kind of learn when you can, you're very busy. So to tell them you have this video that you can watch for free, but for only these two weeks, I realized was not very helpful. And they were like, okay, I'm ready for the next video. Oh wait, you have to wait a little while. 
And then I realized I wasn't pitching until the last video. And tons of people watched the first video, but not a lot of people watched the last video. So when I actually crunched the numbers after I got into BBD and learned that we have to look at our numbers, the numbers weren't really bad if I look at who got to the final video right. and the conversion, but that whole process wasn't necessarily going to fly with my were, audience. Were people upset uh, or like giving negative feedback for the process? Not so much upset, just a little confused, confused I yeah. think. Like, oh, I didn't get to watch that video that you sent last month and I'd love to see it. Can you please send it to me? Send me the link. And I was like, sorry, it's not there anymore. Right. Yeah. So I've also learned to be really transparent. Whereas I think in the marketing field, a lot of times it's okay, get on the wait list. And on this day, now here's all the information about the course and the cost. I'm telling people, trying to tell them a year in advance, here's all the information about the course. Here's what it's going to cost. And I've had a lot of people usually email and say, what's the cost if it's not up because they need to plan it in advance. Yeah. Well, so, you, can you talk about that too, because they're, they get grant money, right. To pay for this. So it's even a different psychological investment for them. Right. People will apply for grants within their university for their own learning, or a lot of offices just plan out how they're going to use their professional development funds a year in mm -hmm. advance. They're thinking, okay, we have 10 people who's going to what conference this year and what's it going to cost us. So I'm really competing with professional conferences as far as the funds that they're using. And so if they're planning to go to that conference in May in a different state and they have to not do that in order to take my course, they need to be thinking about that far in advance. Yeah, this is really fascinating because as you've probably seen from the group, like one of the biggest things that's going to be an objection when we put our stuff out there is going to be around money. And so have you found that that's, that is an objection or are they more like, great, how do I sell this to my school that I, so that they can approve this or money is the biggest objection, but it's not like, Oh, I don't think it's worth it. Or I don't have the money. It's I can't get the funds. The funds yeah. just aren't there. So I've done a couple of things to kind of creatively try to counteract that. One thing I did was put together a PDF on how to convince your superiors or others of the importance of this kind of professional development. So it's like, here's the script that you can use or here's the email that you can use to send to wherever you're trying to get the grant from or to your supervisor to show them how your learning in this program is going to benefit your office, your students, et cetera. So I did that. And then in my last launch, the BBD launch, I actually offered a scholarship. I kind of learned this. I saw Marie Forleo do it and I was like, why can't I offer a scholarship? And so that allowed me to really market a lot in a pre-launch way where before I was even launching for spring 2019 in fall, I had people apply for a scholarship and the previous semester, somebody had really been pressing me to get in, but she didn't have the funds. I have a lot of people from other countries say, well, I only make X and I can't possibly afford this program. But I had one really persistent person who said, you know, I'm in Mexico. This is what I make. I can't afford the program. I'd really like to be in it. What can we do? And she was so persistent that I finally said, 
Well, I really want to do a scholarship program. Why don't you head up the scholarship program? And in exchange for doing that work, you can go through this cohort right now for free. Yeah. And so I kind of bartered with her and she set up the whole scholarship program then. And she looked over all of the applications and sent me like her top five ranked according to my criteria. But that was really a great process. I had hoped maybe to get 10, 12 people to apply. And I had 56 of people, people from around the world, literally around the world, apply for a scholarship to the program. What was the criteria? What did they have to do to apply? It was just like a Google form that they filled out. But the criteria I was looking at were like, do they really have financial need? The impact that they're going to have on other people's lives. And I think kind of like what they would contribute to the program. Yeah. Was it hard to choose somebody? It was so hard to choose. It was really, really hard. And I would have liked to have given it to like six to eight different people. I did notice that I think one or two people ultimately signed up for the program that hadn't got a scholarship. So some of them did manage to find the funds and it was obviously good marketing for the program. Totally. Absolutely. So, okay. So that brings us to your most recent launch then. Yeah. So spring 2019, I did BBD in October and was really planning this launch from like October to February. So it was for the spring 2019 semester, but I started in November with the scholarship program. Then I opened it up just to my list in November with the excuse of saying, I know a lot of you, your fiscal year runs through the end of December. You might have extra professional development funds from fiscal year 2018. So I'm opening the card up early just to people on my list so that you can use those funds. So I actually had quite a few people sign up during that pre-launch. I think six people signed up pre-launch ahead of time before I'd done a webinar or anything. It was just based on two emails. Um, and you and you'd raised the price again, right? I did. So the early bird rate was by this time, 1,295 and the regular rate was 1,395. Awesome. So like double from where it had originally started. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, Which, that's awesome. I mean, the hour-long debrief that they do with me, I would charge at least $300 for that usually. So it, And this is a cohort experience where they're going through it. Every week they're going through materials together. I comment on every single person's comment. They are prompted to post every week and then to comment on other people's. Now that's part of what affects scalability and something I'm working on for the future, but it's, it's a lot of work for me and it has been in the past. And so that price I think was really justified, but in total, again, I limited it to 20 people. I think ultimately I had 19 people sign up and made 19,925. Well done. Biggest single launch to date. Yes, it was. Awesome. Definitely the biggest. And I did a webinar. I think that's one of the big things that BBD pushed me to do. I'd sort of known in my head since the Jeff Walker launch, like webinars are what's going to work best for my audience. Um, they're accustomed to hearing about webinars, to signing up for free webinars. If there's only one thing to come to, they will 
hear the pitch at the end and then I could send out the replay for a significant amount of time. So it was definitely a learning opportunity. I, I realized I was fearful of doing a webinar, even though I'd, I'd done them before, but I'd never hosted my own. And so your program kind of forced me to go, okay, like get over the fear. That's what I teach people to do all the time is get outside <laughs> of their comfort zones and yeah. intercultural learning. So I'm like, all right, practice what you preach. You got to do this. And it was really well received. The, mm. the webinar. Yeah. And the numbers are just like unbelievable. Just to give people some more context, 321 registrants, mm -hmm. 184 attendees, which is like almost 50%. Yes. Yeah. Your conversion rate, 10.3%. It's unbelievable. And that's with like no Facebook ads. I've always used just organic, primarily lit through LinkedIn. Um, my list at the time was probably about 2000 people. So it's really just about building relationships with people and kind of becoming known as the expert in this area because a lot of people in my field have significant feelings about Facebook. And so while I use it for my own learning, I don't use Facebook professionally for interacting with my clients or audience. Right. Yeah. So knowing this was the biggest launch yet with probably much bigger ones on the way, what do you attribute it to? Is it like just because you raised the price? Is it because you switched to a webinar model or is there something else that you changed that really made the difference for you? I think the webinar was huge. It was a way to bring in more people to my list at the same time to really give them a feel for what they would be getting in the program. Also, just what I've learned throughout the process, kind of making adjustments. My marketing was more on point. The questions that I asked of the audience showed that I understood them. So through the whole process of teaching the course, I've definitely heard people's resistance. I've heard what they need, what would be helpful. So I think by taking action over and over and over and trying different things, I've gotten a better feel for what will work. And so putting that into action and then just getting over myself and doing a webinar already, like I knew it was what I needed to do, but the tech stuff and all of that was just in my way. And I said, you know, screw it and do it and learn from the process. I love that. That's screw it and do it. Okay. So any other like really big lessons or takeaways from this most recent launch for you? I mean, for me personally, a big one was I, I've realized webinars are the way to go for me. That's what I need to be doing. And just really trusting my gut as far as when I think something's not necessarily going to work for my audience, figuring out how to adjust it, but also questioning myself and saying, is this resistance because I really know my audience and think I need to do something differently? Or is this resistance personal? Is this laziness? Like right now I'm in the process of getting ready to launch an introductory course. So a big thing that I've learned through this process is I had something higher up in the Ascension model, but I didn't have the intro. It was like mm -hmm. a lot of free stuff and then the really expensive thing. And so I'm 
doing an intro course right now and I'm kind of like, okay, I just want to really get this out there quick. I'm calling it a pilot, which is academic language for a beta. I want people to, you know, go through it, give me feedback so I can adjust it and then eventually make that an intro that's an evergreen product that leads into the signature product. Yeah. And kind of my desire to get it out quickly is making me go, oh, you know, I'm, I'll just do emails. And I had to stop and go, is this laziness or is this because I actually think that's the best way to go and question mm. myself? And it's funny because I was running last night and I was listening to your podcast and you were, it was the Tara Walsh podcast, which is so funny because since yep. she shares my name, every time you were like, Tara, I thought you were talking directly to me and like, <laughs> maybe I was. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was just a really good reminder. It was like, you know what? stop playing small. You have the time. You can do this, like do it right. So that you're not just learning from a half-assed approach, but you're learning from putting your best foot forward. Like if I do the webinar, I'm going to learn more from the process of doing the webinar than if I don't. And I know I'm going to make more if I do a webinar to introduce it. So yeah, yeah that's really good. So what I'm hearing then is like, the initial decision of doing emails was there was like a little resistance around doing a whole webinar for this. Yeah. I want to get it out quickly. And you know, my spouse left his job in January, not because I'm rolling in the dough, but because he just really needed to leave the corporate world and figure out things. So I I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to like start making more money quickly. And summer is a quiet time in my industry. So I, one, not making anything right now, but also have the time to invest in this. And I'm like, just get it out as quick as I can so that I learn from the process and can put it on evergreen and make it part of my Ascension model and move on to revising the signature program. Yeah. And I had to say, well, am I, is that really what's best for the business right now? Like I'm playing the long game. I know I'm playing the long game. So we're not going to go under if I launch this in September versus August. So what's the best approach? I'm also not focused on perfection. I've kind of gotten over that. So it's finding that balance of understanding what resistance in my gut serves me and what resistance in my gut is actually holding me back. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's awesome. This is really fantastic. And I just have to say, congratulations just everything you've done and everything you're doing is, is so cool. And I love, like I said, I love seeing people in niches. You didn't even know it could be a niche, just crushing it. So before we wrap, do you have any like final thoughts or words of wisdom or advice for, um, I don't know, maybe someone just starting out or maybe they're in a very different niche, but they're like doubting themselves or doubting the first steps of the process any um, words of wisdom there? Yeah. I mean, I think this is a wonderful route to go for people who kind of have expertise in a certain area. I hear your audience and a lot of people like that are looking for a niche that have decided that they want to go online and are trying to figure out the niche. But I think there are a lot of people out there who have a niche and don't realize that there is this option to do your own thing online. 
like my spouse has left his job and I'm trying to help him see what his, his niches are that he has expertise in this different, these different areas. And you could build a business for yourself around those and do this online. I, I think there are a lot of people out there that, you know, aren't in the, the marketing in the online world mm-hmm. that don't even realize that this is an option and it's very viable serious option these days, even if you are in something that seems totally irrelevant, you can teach pretty much anything online these days. And if you're an expert in a certain area, you likely have a great opportunity to do something outside of the the norm. Yeah. Well, and you're just, you're living proof of that. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Retire early. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Tara, for coming on the show, taking the time, sharing your, your journey, your results. And um, I just got to say to acknowledge you, I can just tell you have that like strategic entrepreneurial mind and it's going to take you very far. So I'm sure you already get a sense of this, but so much more greatness, growth and impact ahead of you. I think this is just the beginning with all the amazing stuff that you're doing. So we'll have to bring you back on sooner rather than later to hear the updates and the progress. So congrats and thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another case study of the week here on the Mind Your Business podcast. We'll see you all on the next episode. Take care. Neuroscience tells us that your brain doesn't match your beliefs to fit your life. It matches your life to fit your beliefs. In other words, if you want to change your life, change your beliefs. Inside my newest book, Hardwired for Entrepreneurship, I reveal the real difference that makes the difference between the few high-performing entrepreneurs that go on to build multi-million dollar businesses that impact hundreds of thousands of people's lives versus the vast majority who struggle, burn out, break down, and inevitably give up. And the difference ain't in a funnel, launch strategy, or marketing hack. The difference comes down to what's going on between your ears. So are you wired for entrepreneurship? Grab your free copy to find out now. Just visit jameswedmore.com forward slash wired. There's no funnel, no pitch, no sale, nada. Just a good old fashioned read that's going to blow your mind.